So fast forward a decade later, I think there is a place for both. But when I talk to business owners and you start talking to them about meta tags and, and uh, you know, keyword stuffing, they glaze over a little bit. Mm. When you start talking to them about well, what questions do your customers have and have you done a search on your website to see if you answer that question. And so you build a whole SEO strategy just based on search, what are people looking for? What are their questions? Do you answer the questions? Mm. How do you answer their questions better? And so we- Welcome back to another exciting week on Talking With Experts podcast with your host, Chris Cowden. This week, I have Lorraine Ball joining me from More Than A Few Words podcast and the Digital Toolbox. We talk about content-based SEO, the Google algorithm, and even traditional marketing and its relevance in the digital marketing world. Uh, thank you, Lorraine Ball, for jumping on Talking With Experts podcast today. It's it's a privilege to have you on. And uh, yeah, I'm really excited to learn more about uh, More Than A Few Words and the Digital Toolbox and creating more conversation about, around marketing so hopefully business owners can grow and scale with your advice so um, tell me a little bit about yourself and let's get started like that awesome okay so uh, I wish I could tell you that you know my path to here had been one straight line but like a lot of entrepreneurs it wasn't I have a background in education I went back to school for a degree in marketing did a lot of years in corporate. And one day I woke up and I went, mm, yeah, not for me. <laughs> Started a business, ran that company for 19 years and sold it earlier this year. And as I was getting ready for the sale, I really looked at what do I like doing? Because I'm not ready to just, you know, sit out in the field and, you know, eat chocolates and read books. <laughs> and what it came to was, my original passion, the teaching had always been part of the agency because a lot of clients would come to us and they really weren't ready to spend money. Mm -hmm. So we needed to teach them what they needed to know before they hired us. So I built this whole library of training materials and courses I enjoyed teaching. And then I built a, um, the podcast, because that was just fun conversations. Mm -hmm. And so when I sold the business, I held on to the digital toolbox and I held on to more than a few words. And so that's where I am today. Well, <laughs> 19 years of uh, business experience and then selling your business. Congratulations. Mm -hmm. uh, what were your, would you say your biggest lessons were or tips that you could advise people take? As they yep. go on that yeah. journey? Yeah. I think there's several. The first off is, especially in the beginning, you really need to think about kind of, this is what I think my business is about and get out there and start talking to people and start trying to do it. But pay attention to what people really want to pay for and figure mm -hmm. out how you adapt, especially in the early days. It's really easy to pivot your, you know, your offer. It gets harder as you get more established. I started out, what I really wanted to do was team building and corporate consulting work. And while I was waiting mm -hmm. for those clients to respond, people kept coming to me saying, hey, Lorraine, I know you do marketing. I know you got a background in marketing. Can, can you help me? Well, yeah, you know, I'm going to give you a couple hours to charge you this. And one morning I woke up and I had a marketing company, not <laughs> a team building and consulting company. 
And I embraced it. I realized that that's where my revenue was coming from. And I actually did something that I advise people to do. I mm -hmm. uh, emotionally burned the boats. So I sailed to an island and I burned the boats. I pulled up my entire contact list of people that I could sell that team building and corporate training to. I reached out to a friend of mine and I said, I don't need these here because she had a business that was in that same vein and she was actually doing well with it. And so the minute I did that, I couldn't take them back. I couldn't wake mm. up the next day and go, Ooh, I, I should do that. But committing to that, committing to a market and a product mm -hmm. helped me clarify my message. It helped me actually attract more people because I kept trying, until then I was trying to talk about two or three different things. Now I had pick one thing, do it well. So my first piece of advice, pick one thing and do it well. Have fun along the way. Um, invest in people to do the things that are slowing you down. Mm. Um, I'm going to apologize. I have an office cat who likes to be a little chatty. So <laughs> he, may totally may not hop, he may or may not hop up on my lap in a moment. Um, but uh, very early on, I figured out I was spending way too much time entering information from business cards into a spreadsheet so I could get back in touch. And so I hired someone to do a lot of the data entry mm. and simple communication. And that willingness to invest ahead of the curve freed me up to do more of what I wanted to do. And the more I did that, the more people I brought on, the more services I outsourced, actually the, um, the more the business grew. So don't be yeah. afraid okay. to invest. Yeah. Yeah. So and then the, the, go ahead. No, so, no, go ahead. So investing in people and um, outsourcing tasks that you don't want to do Mm -hmm. uh, took you got you your time back to do things that you wanted to do and invest invest in people again absolutely and you know there there are also some things that i really like doing but i'm not as good at it mm. as uh someone who does it full-time so i'm a production artist i'm not a graphic designer Mm -hmm. And I started outsourcing to a real graphic designer and she could turn around in an hour what I would spend four hours doing. And mm. you know what? Hers looked better in an hour than mine did in four hours. <laughs> and I think that's the other lesson is hire people who are better at something than you are. Mm. And, and don't be afraid of that. You know, as I grew the agency, Everybody on my team is better in their area of specialty. I understand enough about what they do that if they're out of the office, if something comes up, I can get in and take care of it. But I'm not as good or as fast at graphic design or web design or writing a blog post. And that's okay. Yep. Um, and then the next thing I think I learned along the way is raise your price. Whatever you, whatever you are charging right now, step back and a uh, little simple math here. If you raise your price 10%, I want you to think about the last 10 sales that you made. And think about if your price had been 10% higher, would you have still made the sale? 
And in nine out of 10 of those cases, the answer is probably yes. A 10% mm -hmm. difference probably wouldn't have made. So now let's think about it. If you charge $100 and you go to 110, now you make nine sales and you make $990 or 10 sales at a thousand. Well, Lorraine, I'm $10 short. Yeah, but each one of those took an hour. Now you got an hour back. Yes. And so, you know, it's that mindset. And I don't care where your pricing is right now, tomorrow, the very next quote that you offer, the very next time you, someone asks you, what do you charge? I want you to raise your price. 10% yep. and see what happens. And then, and then, and then test it at that level. And then if you mm -hmm. think the client or the, the offer is more valuable, then raise the, raise the 10% again. Absolutely. And it's a supply and demand thing. Um, the other thing I look at is, oh, good. Now both of my cats are fighting. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. I, uh, and it's funny because even when I had the, uh, my business in my office, I had um, two full-time cats. They just lived there. When I came home, they came home with me. That is totally fine. We've got a cat here in, in our home and, you know, it's nice to have the cat around. So don't worry about it. Absolutely. They're family. Um, yes, they are. So, and ju just like, you know, when my children were young, they are always want attention at the wrong moments. Um, the, uh, where I was going with that is it's a supply, your pricing is a supply and demand thing. So um, if you are overloaded and you are selling a product that is primarily dependent on you, on your working and your time. If you're overloaded, raise your price. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, if you have capacity, you've hired people and now you got a little capacity, drop your price for a little while, build up that capacity. Essentially think of your business like a manufacturing plant. And the way they look at it is they want to stay really close to full capacity. They don't want to go over because now they have to add another line and that's really expensive. Um, so that's, I guess, another one of the lessons. And then I think the last one that's really big is start planning your exit strategy well in advance of when you think you actually want to get out of the business. Okay. So, so for somebody that's maybe in the first one or two years of starting something for myself, um, should I be considering an extra strategy straight away? Mm -hmm. And, you know, a lot of it is a lot's going to change, just like all of your business plans will change. And I think you reevaluate. But if you start right from the beginning thinking about what's going to make this business valuable to someone else mm -hmm. and different industries, it's different um, in my business the things that were most valuable were the brand equity. After, after 19 years, we had a website with thousands and thousands and thousands of inbound links. There was real value in the name. But the other thing that was really valuable was our processes mm. because that proved that the, the business concept. could run without me. If you build a business and you work really hard for 25 years and you know that the minute you step out of that business, it falls in on itself. You got nothing. You got a job. You don't have a business. So building those processes, 
Um, building long-term client relationships. We work with a lot of home service companies, heating and air conditioning contractors, plumbers that have repeat business service contracts. And so for them, the database of existing clients, a regular process of staying in touch with those clients, that becomes an asset you can sell. Yes. Yeah, and you and you've just removed yourself from the business, and you're you're acting like a real CEO would. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, we've covered your main lessons, and I, I've ne- I don't think I've ever asked any of my experts that. So um, yeah, it's, thanks for going in detail. Um, I I did have a look on the your podcast episodes, and I'd like to mm-hmm. touch on the mystery of digital marketing. What what can you tell me about that? <laughs> Oh, gosh, how long do we have? No, <laughs> you know, I think um, I would say that there are a lot of misconceptions about how digital marketing works and should work. And some of it comes from the fact that it has changed. Mm-hmm. The first thing is just because somebody is younger than you does not mean they're any better at digital marketing than you. <laughs> they, they may very well be more comfortable with how Facebook works or how Twitter works or, or Instagram or any of those platforms. So they, they understand the basics of the tool. What they probably don't understand, maybe even as well as you, is how that connects to your business. Mm-hmm. And that's really, in digital marketing, the key is almost to go back to um, traditional marketing. I, you know, I've done this... Uh, the business, the digital agency was 19 years. So let's think about it. 19 years ago, no Facebook, mm-hmm. no Twitter, no Instagram. There was a predecessor for LinkedIn. Um, we were doing blogging on platforms like Squidoo and Blogger. Um, Squidoo, I don't even think still exists. So um when we started, we started with a foundation of classic marketing. What are good marketing principles? And I believe even to this day that you need to know who is your customer? What is their pain point? How are you gonna solve their problem? And what makes you uniquely qualified to do that? Mm-hmm. And if you can answer those four questions, you can build a traditional marketing strategy. You can build a digital marketing strategy, you can do any of it. And without those four answers, nothing will work because Mm -hmm. you're just being there to be there without a purpose or a reason. So I think that's probably the first sort of peeling back the layer on digital marketing. I think the next thing is figuring out where you need to be and giving yourself as a business owner permission to say, I'm not going to be everywhere. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not. And figuring out which platforms make sense for your business. Like I, I love Twitter, but my customers were not on Twitter. And so I had friends on Twitter, but and, and I can I can hang out with them elsewhere. I don't need to be on Twitter to interact with them. 
On the other hand, my customers are on Facebook and they're on LinkedIn. And so mm-hmm. that's where I need to be. Uh, about two years ago, I found out that a lot of my customers were on Pinterest. And I was like, Pinterest, really? Pinterest, it's probably the number two traffic driver for my digital toolbox because there are a lot of entrepreneurs. It's, it's disproportionately female. Um, Mm -hmm. So a lot of women that are doing online businesses or at-home businesses, very receptive to my products and services through Pinterest. So, so just follow, follow your tribe or follow the people Mm -hmm. and and Mm -hmm. target them on their platform. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And And then, sorry, you were, you were talking about uh, traditional marketing before and uh, I can remember a conversation I had with uh, somebody else who appeared on the podcast uh, his name's Rocky Bookley and he said that the he's he's got the advantage of being that bit older than me uh, he's probably old enough to be my father to to know that uh, he seems he's seen what's worked he he knows um, all about the algorithm and he knows that clubhouse won't last or, you know, he, mm-hmm. he's got that, he's got that experience that the younger people don't have. And um, you could probably agree. Uh, I think to that extent. Um, there's a, there's a dangerous line there. Um, yes. I have done this a really long time and I have the perspective of seeing what has come and gone. Sometimes I run into people with a lot of experience who ignore some of the new platforms because they're like, oh, that's not going to work. Hmm. What I always recommend, um, and I have lived this way for 20 years, is try it. Give it a good run. So for example, Clubhouse, I, I jumped in and I gave it I think I gave it a fair shake. We had a regular chat every Friday for five months, five months. So we really, and we were consistent and we were doing, and what I found is at least right now, that platform didn't make sense for my business. Mm. There are a lot of consultants on there and tons of experts who can tell you how to get, build a six figure business. And I'm always curious because if they're building all these great big businesses, why are they on Clubhouse? Yeah. You know, if you're really that successful, why do you do this? And how do you have time to do this? And so after, you know, after five months, um, my friend and I, we were doing it together. We're like, okay, instead, can we use this time for something that will be more productive. Mm. So I did not poo-poo Clubhouse until I gave it a shot. At this moment, I'm not a fan. Now, could it change? Could it improve? Maybe. Will I take another look? Sure. Yeah. If, if it changes, yeah. Uh, and especially as the technology is growing and there's mm-hmm. very smart people now really investing a lot of time into social media platforms like you said it's worth investing some time in and seeing if it matches with your ideal customer and then make the judgment yeah well and i think there's uh particularly if you're in the consulting realm uh or any type of b2b service there are also platforms that you may look at where there are no customers but there are 
referral partners. And it's the same thing. Again, I'm going to draw the parallel to mm -hmm. traditional marketing. I would go to a networking event. You know, before the pandemic, I went to a lot of networking <laughs> events, <laughs> had lots of coffee, stale Danish, rubber chicken, but, but I went. <laughs> and I know that walking in the door at a networking event, I am not going to set, someone is not going to make a decision to buy from me mm -hmm. over a cup of coffee. Yep. But what can happen is over a cup of coffee, I can meet someone who has a nice overlap with my business and make a decision that we're going to have another conversation, get to know each other, maybe work together on some different projects. And the same thing on social media. On LinkedIn, it's nice when I pick up customers, but mostly on LinkedIn, I'm talking to other consultants. I'm making connections for the podcast. Mm -hmm. And so I have a very different reason to be there. Mm -hmm. So I put different content in different places because I know I have different audiences and I have different messages for what I'm trying to accomplish. Yeah, and um, you're, you don't don't have an, I know you have, you don't maybe, let's, let's get my words out. You don't have an agenda when you're talking to these people. Uh, you're just there to network. You're, you're taking hey, the- I have, I have an agenda, but it is not a sales agenda. Mm -hmm. My agenda is I want to figure out, do we, is there a reason for us to have a longer conversation? Do we have a common target? Do we have common values? I will always ask people, you know, tell me about what you're working on that's fun. Tell me about one of your favorite projects. And if I get the, you know, my business would be just great if I didn't have customers. And, and, and you hear that, I'm like, good. I don't want to have anything to do with you, you know? But if somebody lights up like a Christmas tree and they're excited and they're like, oh my God, we just worked with this customer and they did this and this and this. And now, you know, we're here with them and we're looking for, I'm like, okay, mm. you got good energy. We share a typical kind of client. We don't compete necessarily. I'd love to spend more time seeing, you know, where this goes. Yeah, so what fun project do you have on at the moment? <laughs> <laughs> so what fun projects do I have at the moment? I just launched uh, a new online uh, class on a topic I am really excited about. It's called content-based SEO. And what that is, is going to give you a little bit of a background. Yeah. 11 or so years ago, everybody was doing SEO and they were doing links and they were doing these really questionable keyword stuffing kind of things. And I looked at it and I went, number one, it, that's exhausting. Mm. And number two, it's not creating real value. Because if I just write good content for my websites and for the client's websites, Search engines will pay attention, but more importantly, if someone comes to the website, they're not disappointed when they get here and I will have a higher conversion rate. And I was really focused on that second piece. Mm. Well, lo and behold, Google changed their algorithm. Remember that? Overnight. And um, companies that had built their entire business model on links and just link, 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 
they were out of business and they, or they had to switch their model to content and mm. they didn't know how to do content. So fast forward a decade later, I think there is a place for both. But when I talk to business owners and you start talking to them about meta tags and, and uh, you know, keyword stuffing, they glaze over a little bit. Mm. When you start talking to them about, well, what questions do your customers have? And have you done a search on your website to see if you answer that question? And so you build a whole SEO strategy just based on search, what are people looking for? What are their questions? Do you answer the questions? Mm. How do you answer their questions better? And so we put together this course on content-based SEO. And um, that's really kind of my passion right now. And um, because it is a simple common sense approach. I'm not saying that you can't, you shouldn't do the other stuff, but if you're the business owner, leave that to the other people, you focus on this. Yep. And that's part that that's, that's the newest offering in the toolbox. So that's what I'm working on right now. And it's fun. Amazing. Amazing. <laughs> so, so do you think it's important then um, to, so let, so let me get my head around it to update content all the time to the website. Yes. Is that going to help organic? Yes. Um, there are over 600 different elements in the Google algorithm but there are three that have remained really important throughout. Recency, relevancy, and related links. So recency, is there new information? The best way, because you're not gonna change your homepage every week, it's not gonna yep. happen. So the best way to stay recent and current is to routinely add new blog posts. Mm -hmm. So that gets you your recency relevancy is do you answer the questions people are asking 10 years well let's go back 20 years ago 15 years ago when you did an internet search you used what they called boolean search mm -hmm. heating plus air conditioning furnace plus repair and search engines looked for each term and then they matched them but that's not how search engines work anymore with, um, with Siri, with Alexa, we have a lot of voice activated search. We are typing in whole sentences. Why does my furnace smell funny? Is there a furnace repair shop that operates 24 hours? What do, how do I change the filter on my furnace? I mean, there, and, and I don't mm -hmm. keep using heating and air conditioning, but it's just, because that's what really easy and obvious. But in every industry, there are sentences there are whole mm -hmm. questions and the more accurately you can answer those questions and the more of those questions that you can answer and in the course we kind of go through how do you find more questions how do you check and see and then if you really want to get geeky we have another course where you can actually go to google and see which question has more searches whatever yeah you're a business owner your business is not seo your business is whatever you're in business to do. Your website should answer the questions. So that's where recency and then related links. It's not quantity. It is quality. Are you linking to appropriate sites and are they linking to you? Okay. So, so 
in terms of, let's just say, for podcasting's sake, important to guest on other podcasts? Absolutely. And that would yeah, be an because, appropriate link. Yeah, because, because they have authority, you have authority, now you're connected. And interestingly, you get credit for both inbound and outbound links. Again, if you're linking to other reputable sites, um, I would always make sure when you, when you link off of your website that you have it open in a new tab. Yeah, okay. So that, that's, I know that's a little geeky, but, but you always want to do that. But so like when you have guests and you're linking to their pages, that's okay. You're, you're connecting, you're saying, this is, this is another authority. And if they have a good website, you both win. Great. I, that's a great tip. Open a new tab. And also for accessible accessibility, do I use still using the alt text? Yes, always. Um, okay. Yeah. And, and um, the more uh, on images and stuff, the more detail, the more description you can give, the better. Okay. Because search engines, I forget the number, but some crazy percentage of search is actually image search where people are looking for a picture. And I can tell you, I did a blog post about what's called the marketing org chart. And we did a, a picture. Mm -hmm. That photo still shows up in search. That blog post written in 2009 still shows up in search. So is the only reason for that is because people are still searching for it? and it's popular it it's people are still searching for it and because people click on it google's like oh this is a good image we'll continue to put it up there we've gone back i've updated the blog post i actually and again this is a whole different topic but when you have a blog post that does well write another post on a related topic and link between them um the marketing org chart worked. So I then wrote a series of four on segments of the marketing org chart in more detail. Then I went back and I wrote the social marketing org chart and I did the whole thing all over again and linked between them again. And so that whole little group shares authority. Well, then I went back and I added a hundred new words and I added a new photo and I added a call to action. So you can, if you've got a blog post that's working, go back and revisit it, go back and update it and keep it fresh. Okay. And, and for my understanding, how do you know that the blog post is doing great? So um, either your Google analytics, or if your blog is on WordPress and you install Jetpack, log in and take a look at what pages got traffic yesterday? It's not rocket science, <laughs> you know? Yeah, you're like, wow. I, and um, we have a couple of pages that I just laugh because they are old blog posts that we wrote really more as a service for our clients. They're really niche. And it's not even what we do anymore, but I'll be like, really? People wrote, wanted to know, and, and you'll see the same posts coming up. So you're like, Okay, you came. Let me see if I can mm -hmm. offer you something else. If you have if you have a page that's getting a lot of traffic, take a look at it. Is it a good sales page? 
Can you make it a better sales pitch? Can you get an offer at the bottom? Can you add a video? What can you do if people are coming? Mm -hmm. It's like um, way early, back high school, early college days, I worked in retail. If people are coming in the door and they're not buying, you rearrange the merchandise. You put something else up front. Do the same thing on your website. Boom. <laughs> yeah, it, it makes sense. Uh, if, if you want higher conversion, see what's working and put the offer out there. And yeah. Mm -hmm. So those, those little tips there. And how would somebody find out about the Google algorithm? Uh, well, search. Search. Go to Google. Oh, yeah, yeah. Search Google. Um, <laughs> search. Um, search. SEO tips. Um, some of my favorite people that I read and um, websites that I really like, I follow um, Neil Patel. I think mm -hmm. it's N-E-I-L Patel. Um, I like SEM Rush. I like um, HubSpot is more focused on conversion, but sometimes they've got some good things as well. Um, I used to read Chris Brogan. I don't know if he's still as focused on it. Jason Falls, mm -hmm. but follow some of the, you know, writers and podcasters that talk about SEO. Yeah. Um, if you're new to this, um, check out the digital toolbox. We've got a digitaltoolbox.club. We've got a lot of great tools, um, but make it a habit because the Google algorithm changes. Yes. And so you can't just read something now and think two years from now that you're going to still know everything you need to know. Uh, hmm. Google probably does updates three or four times a year. Some of them are small. Some of them are not. Uh, yeah. I can remember going to a Google seminar probably a few years ago to learn all about Google analytics. And they were talking exactly what you were talking about. So some things in the algorithm stay the same, mm -hmm. the, the quality and the relevancy and mm -hmm. yeah so so thanks for all your tips and all your lessons and i appreciate um your company it, it was great today I, i'd love to give you some space now to tell people how they can get in touch with you where they can find this digital toolbox so the, the floor is yours awesome well thank you uh first off i want you to look for more than a few words it's a marketing conversation for business owners it is designed to be marketing in very little bites. So there are short interviews with experts that run 10 minutes and there's a Sunday morning one minute marketing tip. So it's really designed to be just snapshots of little bits of marketing. And then the digital toolbox is digitaltoolbox.club. And you can also look for us. There's a Facebook page. Look for the digital toolbox on Facebook and you'll find it. And if you have questions, use the contact form on one of those two websites and you can find me. I'm pretty much Lorraine Ball everywhere on Twitter, on Instagram, I'm Lorraine F Ball, but that is, is as much as I love the pretty pictures, the truth is that's not where I put, where I spend a lot of time. So look for me if you really want to connect on LinkedIn. Amazing. Okay. I will do that. I, I think I need to connect with you on LinkedIn. I haven't even connected with you with you there. Uh, but thanks again Let's for your that. time. And uh, no one yet has covered SEO. So thanks for touching on that because that's a, definitely an important part if you're focusing on organic marketing. And 
paid as well, maybe? Mm -hmm. Yeah, okay. I'll leave it at that because I don't want to take up any more of your time. And uh, yeah, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you again, Lorraine Bull, for joining me on Talking with Experts podcast this week and for the expertise you shared on the lessons you have learned from 19 years of owning a business. If you want to learn more about Lorraine Bull, then please go to talkingwithexpertspod.com forward slash EP30 to see her full bio and follow along with the transcription. For now, I have another expert lined up, so make sure to subscribe to the podcast, leave a review and share it so more people can get the advice they need to help them grow and scale their business. For now, enjoy the rest of the day and I'll see you next week on Tuesday at 7pm UK time, 2pm Central Standard Time.